Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron and Jackie. I love you both so much. We'll definitely really, really miss you. But we know that you're, you're in the will of your heavenly daddy. And you know what, everybody? The safest place on planet Earth is the will of your heavenly father. <laughs> Come on, Aaron. Abba. Uh, I remember when uh, Aaron, he's a vet, by the way, he's a, he's a veteran, and I remember he's, he served in Iraq, and I remember when he got called up, um, uh, sorry, Afghanistan, wasn't it? It was Afghanistan. Yes, I'm sorry, Afghanistan, and, and I remember the church was probably about a year and a half old at the time, and, or two years old, one year old, one year old, and uh, Aaron, who was in the reserves, he gets his papers. He's called up to go to Afghanistan uh, in 2009. And um, my gosh, did we all weep when we laid hands on him and he was leaving the next day. We were, whole team, we just were weeping over him. Uh, we weren't sure if it was tears of, of joy that we knew that God was going to bring him safe back or whether it was tears of that we will never see him again. <laughs> um, but thankfully, the, the Lord... Uh, brought him back safely, and, and uh, he did an outstanding job over there as, as an army chaplain. And uh, Shaka Banga, I'm glad you're going to go on and do your PhD, Aaron. You'll, it'll have a good ring to it, Dr. Mitchell. Yeah, come on. I love it. So good. So, so good. It's my joy this morning to preach on the Holy Spirit and the harvest fields. And uh, I want you to turn with me this morning to the book of Proverbs and chapter 14. But before you do, just grab your Bible and hold it up in the air like this. Hold it up. Your, you know, your cell phone, you know. Uh, or those of you that are traditionals like me, you just love a good leather Bible. Smells so much better than your cell phone that sat in your sweaty pocket. Mm. <laughs> Just smells like the ox. I'm going to be preaching on that today. Hold it up. Say this with me. Father, I thank you for your word. Your eternal word. I believe everything that this word says. I believe that Jesus is the eternal word. And I thank you, Jesus, that you live on the inside of me. Holy Spirit, teach me the word of God today. And, and let me bring a great harvest to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just got you to do all that because I wanted you to actually go along, read along with me in the scriptures. <laughs> just, just a joke. Proverbs 14, verse 1. Since I became a grandfather, my jokes have got worse, I must admit. Even I agree with that. Where there are no ox, where there's no ox or no oxen, the manger is lovely and clean. But with much increase, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox, or in some translations, but with the strength of an ox comes a great harvest. I like to 
read the Bible through from cover to cover every year. I'm one of those people that if I don't establish some kind of disciplined routine, uh, I just go all over the place. And, uh, and so, you know, my wife, uh, before she became my wife, she said to me, you know, you, slip, you just, you know, read all over the place, doing whatever, but you need to get some discipline in your life. She'd just done YWAM, DTS, you know, Young Women After Men, I mean, uh, Youth With A Mission. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> I told you I'm funny. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, she was, somebody said, you can't laugh at your own jokes. Who made that up? Some boring old whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, she said, you know, I think you should read your Bible from cover to cover like we've just been taught in YWAM. And you know, I'm so glad for my wife, uh, and she put that discipline in me. And um, every year I come through the Proverbs, and when I get to that Proverbs 14.4, I'd be like, what in the world does that mean? Until one day, I got up, and I was about to go for a run, as you can see. Um, I no longer do that. But... Um, <laughs> But anyway, in those days, I used to run. I was an avid runner. And uh, I got up. I just had put my shoes and um, my, my running shoes on. And I was about to walk out, run out the door. And the Holy Spirit just literally charged me like a mighty bull. And uh, he just spoke right into my heart. And he said, Duncan, I am like this ox of this verse. And, uh, and he said, when you welcome me into your manger, when, when the church welcomes me into the manger, then I bring a mighty harvest. And uh, he charged me so hard, he actually knocked me back onto the little stool that I'd been sitting on to tie my laces up. And I've been meditating on this whole um, uh, dynamic and preaching this message, one of my favorite messages um, and as I was waiting on the Lord for this morning, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to preach on Proverbs 14, verse 4. Now, you know, we live, how many of you in this room are farmers? One, two, three, four, five. Some are not quite sure and have started putting their hands up. Goodness knows what their farm looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, you need to be more convinced you're a farmer than that, you know, if you're going to be a real farmer. But anyway, and uh, many of you watching online, or some of you watching online might be farmers as well. But, you know, in today's day and age, the vast majority of us in population, we're not farmers. We have some other vocation in life. But back in the day of Solomon, when Solomon wrote this, the vast majority of people were farmers. And so they could understand and relate to what Solomon was saying in a split second. We, on the other hand, it's hard for us to understand. But I want you to, to know, uh, I am a farmer. Well, I, I actually have been trained in agriculture. I've been trained to be a farmer. I've worked on our family farm uh, in the UK, Murray and I's mom and dad and, and relatives, my dad's three brothers, they all, they're all farmers and they own a farm in the UK. It's a working farm, a, a dairy farm. It was a dairy farm for goodness knows how many centuries. <laughs> but uh, now it's not a dairy farm. We've sold the herd, but I know a thing or two, uh, just a little bit, enough to be probably dangerous about dairy farming. Um, uh, but I also grew up on the edge of the Sahara Desert in Nigeria, my father was a missionary for 20 years, and he went as an agricultural specialist. And so 
Uh, I can remember as a little boy walking out into the rural areas and the villages and uh, working with the, with the indigenous people in Nigeria and dad helping them uh, to, to, um, to, to know how they could increase their uh, harvest and working with them for better practices, agricultural practices, uh, as a way of actually having an inroad for the gospel to be preached, earning the right through serving the people for them to want to listen to the gospel that my dad and mom were carrying. And, uh, and I can remember as a little boy walking through the fields, seeing the oxen in the fields plowing, no tractors. Tractors break down. It's easy for us to think, oh yeah, what they need is tractors. No, tractors break down. And when you're on the edge of the Sahara Desert, you're a long way from getting that tractor fixed. But an oxen is, uh, is serviceable, let's put it like that. And so, <laughs> and so uh, you know, they still have a lot of rural um, and traditional ways in, in which they farm. And, and what I discovered is I noticed that if you had a yoke of oxen, you could plow a much larger area and have a way bigger farm than your neighbor next to you with their little hoe. And there's still a lot of people in Nigeria who farm by traditional methods with a little hoe, just like there were two or 4,000 years ago or uh, 3,000 years ago when Solomon wrote this in the first place. Back in those days, there would have been those who would have had a single hoe. And with a single hoe, even a sophisticated hoe that's got a double handle like some of them, um, you could probably manage an area of, of somewhere in this area in a whole day of, of plowing with your hoe. Especially in somewhere like the Middle East where it's really hot um, during the day and you know, perhaps the ground is a little rocky or stony, whatever. You have to work so hard with your muscles to make that ground broken open so that you have any chance of sowing seed and then by this time next year having a harvest from the seed that you've sown. By the way, that is like many Christians in this world today. Working hard for God, working hard for prayer, praying up revival, working hard in fasting, Fasting up revival, praying, um, uh, preaching hard, preaching up for revival, worshiping hard, worshiping for revival. All of those things are important, but let me tell you something. Doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit is so much better and leads to such greater harvest than you doing it on your own. Even when it comes to sharing the gospel, sharing your faith with somebody else, if it's you doing it in your efforts, it's hard work, everybody. And it may get a harvest, but it won't be very big. On the other hand, if you were one of those who was willing to embrace the ox, easier said than done. If you were willing to embrace the inconvenience of an ox, and you were willing to befriend the ox, and you were willing to lay down your life in some ways to take care of that ox and to tame the ox and to win the right that the ox would no longer be threatened by you, be fearful of you, or just fancy killing you, then you can, even if you're perhaps the father of a, of a child who's only eight years old, you can take that eight-year-old and let them go out with your ox 
And that eight-year-old will lead that ox into the harvest fields and plow for a whole day with an eight-year-old telling it what to do. I've seen it with my own eyes in Nigeria. It's, flab it's absolutely flabbergasting to watch an ox that's 10 times the size of a little child. No, 20 times the size of a little child. A 1,600 or 2,000 pound bull. That's a male cow. Wait a minute. Um, you know how cows are like the female version? Bulls are the male version of what we generically term cows, even though in reality the cow is actually the female one, a bit like sheep, you know? Okay. And if you're scientific, you might be able to say, well, they're bovine. Good for you. But to the rest of us, we're like, cow? No, bull. Okay, because, see, a cow has an udder that produces milk. And uh, a bull has, um, has uh, a slightly different sort of sophisticated tackle that um, allows a cow to produce milk. You see, you can have 300 cows... But if you don't have at least one bull, you're not going to get a single pint of milk. <laughs> yeah, because you see, in order to have milk, the, prow ha the cow has to be impregnated. And it's the bull that does that. Just a little lesson for you. <laughs> but not only is a bull extremely important for you to have milk, in an agricultural era, a bull was extremely important in order for you to sow seed. And you may not know this, but you know when you go on to Rialta.com and you're looking at your dream home and you see that your dream home has two acres. <laughs> and you're like, come on, I'm going to own some real estate. I'm going to own America. Two acres of it. Yeah, well, those two acres, they actually have a history in antiquity as to why they're called an acre. You see, an acre is the amount of land that a single yoke of oxen can plow in one day. It became known as an acre. Wow, now you're going to be super smart in a pub quiz. And here's the thing, everybody. A person with a hoe, they don't have to ever clean out the manger. They don't have to deal with all the poop that a bull produces. They don't have to ever work with a bull to tame a bull from when it's young to work with a bull. In fact, they never have to ever think about a bull. They're never inconvenienced by the presence of a bull. but they only have a small harvest because all their work is dependent on their strength. Meanwhile, their neighbor over here who embraces the inconvenience of the bull, who works with the bull, who befriends the bull, who always remembers and treats the bull with phenomenal respect and honor because they know that one wrong move and the bull could kill them in a split second. They're able to plow 
maybe up to 50 times the amount of land in a, in a season, maybe a hundred times, maybe a thousand times the amount of land in a season that their neighbor with just a simple hoe can plow. And guess who has the biggest harvest in one year? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Duncan, the church of today is like the, ch is like the church that has a manger without a bull and everything's nice and clean. There's no poop anywhere. Everything looks really in order. Everything's orderly. Everyone looks like a field of wheat when they're in church. Nobody's raising a hand. Nobody's falling over. Nobody's out of order. Everybody comes on time. Nobody's late. Everybody sings the song at the right moment, sits down at the right moment, stands up at the right moment, sits back down at the right moment, and even a sneeze stands out. A crying baby? Oh, God forbid. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not ridiculing that. I'm telling you what I've understood by revelation. Without the bull, the manger is really nice and clean and orderly. The problem is, there ain't no harvest. Or if there is, it's really, really small. Now, the thing is with a bull, you have to be very careful in the presence of a bull. And the Holy Spirit, just like he's likened to a dove, and just like he's likened to water and oil and fire, in this scripture, I believe the Lord, the scripture, the word of God is revealing to us that there is somebody who wants to be like a bull in your life to bring about a great harvest for you and the bull. And he wants to bring a great harvest because he's the Lord of the harvest. His name is the Holy Spirit. And to have the presence of the Holy Spirit is to have the presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at once. Because there's one God and he's revealed in three distinct revelatory persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to get into that. But you only have to look at the baptism of Jesus to realize that God is Trinity. Lover, beloved, and love. When Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open. The voice speaks, not from within Jesus, but from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Yet we know that Jesus was God incarnate. He's the Son of God incarnate. He is the exact radiance of, the, of God's being. He's the exact representation of His being and the radiance of God's glory. He was God in the flesh, yet His Father, who also is God and who he's one with, spoke from the heavens and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the word of God was spoken over the word of God by the Father. But listen, everybody, the word of God could not be spoken without the Spirit of God being released as the express manifestation and revelation and tangible experience of the word himself all over Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. In this, and so therefore, there's, we, all, we know that 
there's always the Word and the Spirit working together. And here we have the Word of God likening the Holy Spirit, I believe, to a bull when it comes to the harvest. Now, I want to say very, very clearly, everybody, the Holy Spirit is not a bull. But the Holy Spirit is likened, I believe, in this scripture. You can apply this scripture to understand something of the role of the Holy Spirit. Is a bull dangerous? Absolutely. Could a bull kill you? Absolutely. Is a bull tame? Not necessarily. He's always wild, really. And, and it's good never to forget that. A little bit like Lucy in Narnia when, you know, she's reminded, Aslan, he's not a tame lion. God is not a tame God, everybody. He holds the entire universe in the span of his hand. He's not a tame God. He's dangerous. The Holy Spirit is dangerous. And if you mess with him, it's dangerous. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Don't mess with the Holy Spirit, just like you don't mess with the bull. Nevertheless, the same Holy Spirit, this same mighty ox of the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest, who brings in a great harvest if you welcome him into the manger of your life, that same mighty Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit who, just a few days earlier than Ananias and Sapphira losing their lives, enabled Peter, who honored and respected the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, to stand up and preach the gospel for the first time since Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the Father. Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, preaches the gospel, and the mighty, mighty ox of the Holy Spirit, not that he's an ox, everybody, I'm likening him to an ox, he enables Peter, as he preaches, to reap 3,000 souls in one moment. Why? Because Peter was not relying on his own strength and his own little hoe or his own little sickle to bring a harvest. He was trusting in an altogether more lovely person, the Holy Spirit. Shakaraba. Come on, is anybody excited about that? I'm excited about that. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, I told you I've been a farmer. Well, um, maybe I didn't, but I have been a farmer. And uh, in another life, you know, when I was in my third late 20s. And, um, and, uh, and so you have to say those things, otherwise somebody will post somewhere that Duncan Smith believes in reincarnation or something yeah. stupid like that. Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised. <laughs> and, and so um, I absolutely do not believe in reincarnation. And uh, I was talking about when I was in my 20s. And so uh, during the time that I was training in agriculture, and I thought I was going to uh, manage our family farm. Whew, escape that bullet. Um, I was working with our, our cattleman, who's a lovely, lovely man. His name's Johnny. My kids thought he was called Jolly, so they called him Jolly. But he's a lovely elderly man, and he'd been our cowman uh, for his entire life, since he was about 13 years old, and his father was our cowman before that, our cattleman before that. And, uh, and so I was assigned to work with Johnny, and, uh, and so uh, Johnny began to teach me a lot about bovine, about cattle. And Johnny could look and he could see immediately from a distance that there was something wrong with a specific 
um, you know, uh, um, individual, n even if it was a male cow. Um, never had so much trou trouble explaining a cow. But anyway, um, <laughs> one day we're standing there and he looks at them and we're looking at the heifers. You know what a heifer is? A heifer is a female, a cow, who has not yet been impregnated. And they run, we run them with the bull for the express purpose of reproduction, everybody. Okay? And so um, I've never seen a more happy-looking bull in all my life. And uh, Johnny said to me, now then, Duncan, first time we went there, now then, Duncan, you see him over there? He's our Aberdeen Angus bull, Philip. Yeah, that's right. He's called Philip. And I'm like, How? why would you call him Philip? But anyway, um, clearly they didn't realize that Philip means lover of horses, not cows. But... Um, <laughs> And so, whatever you do, Duncan, don't get in between Philip and his efforts. In fact, don't ever go in the field, period. Trust me, Johnny, I have no ambition or desire whatsoever to ever go on the other side of this gate and get into the field with that gigantic animal that looks four times the size of his efforts. I'm not going in there. Uh, heifers. And so as I'm... One day, we come up to the gate, and Johnny, he goes, Duncan, there's a couple of effers in there I want to get a closer look at. I'm like, are you stupid? Get your binoculars out. No, we're going in. No, we're not going in. No, you told me we never go in. We're going in. No, 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 we're, we are going in. Oh, no. And my heart's pounding out of my chest. I mean, I was just so terrified, everybody. Philip was about as far away as those double doors are right there. And he just was getting bigger and bigger with every step. And, uh, and, and Johnny goes to me. And th this is how Johnny walked, okay? Because he's worked hard his whole life. I, on the other hand, was very lithe at that time. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, well... If anything does go wrong, I've got Johnny, and he'll be the first to go, because uh, I'm a runner. And so, we're getting closer and closer, and he goes, now then, Duncan, don't forget, never get between Philip and his efforts. I'm like, are you crazy? Of course not. No. And he goes, and whatever you do, you look at his eye, and you don't stop. And I'm looking at that big eye in the side of that enormous animal's head. And I'm like, Phew. and by the way, I think there's a lesson there. Good place to fix your eyes is on the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking and I'm walking and I'm getting more and more nervous. Suddenly, I don't know what it was. To this day, I couldn't explain it to you. I don't think Johnny could either, but we both saw it. There was something that changed in the eyes of Philip. We were both up in the air, turning around and running before our feet hit the ground. And I heard behind us, and we're running. I mean, we're really running. I'm running. 
I mean, I've got my knees up just like they taught me, and I'm running like I'm on the 100-meter sprint when I was a kid. And I'm running so fast, and I can hear behind me, run, Duncan, run! <laughs> and behind that, I hear, <laughs> and Philip, when we just made it to that fence, and we both flopped over the top of that fence and landed in a heap on the other side of that fence and Philip came to a grinding halt, snorting away. <laughs> Never mess with the ox. Never mess with the Holy Spirit. Because even though, and I'm so ever so glad to say to you all, that the Holy Spirit is none other than the love of God himself. He's the most lovely one. He is the love that's eternally flowed from the lover to the beloved and the beloved to the lover. He's the eternal dance of love that we've been caught up in. He who has joined himself to the Spirit is, sorry, he who has joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. The Holy Spirit is the most beautiful one. He's the most lovely one. He is the love of God. He's kind. He's forgiving. He's gracious. He's Lord of all. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of the Son. And He loves you. And he'll, He will always forgive you. But don't mess with Him. Don't live a life where you mess with Him. Because He wants to live a life where you welcome Him, but you welcome Him into your life on His terms, not on your terms. And then when you begin to set your gaze on the harvest, whether it's plowing, like prayer, or sowing, like when you share the gospel with people, or whether it's harvest time, when you bring people right in, into the kingdom, where you have the joy of, of reaping in where others have sowed with that person. You, you're like, yay, I led them to Jesus. And you did, well done. But don't forget, there's probably an entire line of people that the Holy Spirit has been using for that person's life to bring them into the glorious kingdom of God's love. And when you embrace the Holy Spirit, everybody, you will have a great harvest. Just don't ever forget, he is dangerous. And love him with all your heart. Okay? It's amazing to me that that Aberdeen Angus bull, Philip, if we had raised him, if that's what we were about, you know, farming with him, we could have raised him and we could have sent him out with an eight-year-old and that eight-year-old could have command over him and he would do and serve that eight-year-old even though he could crush him or gore him in a split second. He never will. Why? Because he's best friends with that eight-year-old. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wonderful Catch the Fire family in this room, watching online, wherever you are, that is the key to a great harvest, walking in friendship love with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on. Shakaraba. And you know, here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. It will get messy. It's just going to get messy. Because wherever the bull is, there's mess. You know? Thank God that the Holy Spirit doesn't poop on us. What the Holy Spirit brings for you in your life, when you welcome him into the manger of your life, what the Holy Spirit brings is the glory of God, the favor of God. 
He brings the uh, tangible, experiential love of God. In the same way that the manger is covered in poop with a real ox, a living oxen, in the same way you are covered with glory when you welcome the Holy Spirit into the manger of your life. But sometimes glory can look very messy. And we were just, Friday night, we had uh, an amazing meeting in this room in our young adult ministry where we meet once a month and Michael and Ashling and their team uh, are leading a phenomenal young adult ministry. And uh, on Friday night, I had the joy and the privilege of speaking and I spoke on the, on the Holy Spirit, on being baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. And let me tell you something, it looked messy by the end of the meeting. There were bodies on the floor, some were still standing, some were sitting, but many were whacked out, unable to get off the floor for a long time, whatever. People crying, snot everywhere. Uh, some people laughing with joy. I mean, it was chaos, everybody. But let me tell you something. How many of you know that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a great harvest among our young adults? And I prophesy it that by this time next year, this place is going to be jam-packed full of young adults once a month Friday night. I mean, we're just going to have to get rid of those dividers, and it's just going to be just just jam-packed full. New believers left, right, and center from our university campuses and, and other places. Why? Because we've welcomed the Holy Spirit and we've allowed him to do everything on his terms, not on our terms. Let's stand. Here's the thing. With an ox, you think he's dangerous in the field? You wait till he's confined to a manger. I know what it's like to clean out Philip's manger. It is a lot of hard work. And you know, you don't have to lift a single finger to get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. He's done it all for you. There's not one work that you could do to add to the salvationary work of Jesus Christ in your life. Not one. You can't pray your way in, fast your way in, worship your way in, read your Bible the way in. You can't attend church your way in. You just have to believe and surrender to Jesus. And his entire finished work is a gift of grace to your life. His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and glorification becomes your death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and glorification in him forever, for eternity. But let me tell you something. Once you've believed in him, once you have... Uh, yielded your life, surrendered your life to that finished work. If there's one thing that you're going to want to do for the rest of your life, it's to be yoked up with the same wonderful, glorious Holy Spirit that He's one with, and you get yourself under the yoke of friendship with the Holy Spirit, and you, it will be your joy to work, and you'll work in the harvest fields. And you will work in the manger with the Holy Spirit tending to the Holy Spirit, loving the Holy Spirit, prayer, worship, all of spending time in the Word of God, tending to the presence and hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit in the manger, no matter what the cost to you. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's no one like Him. He's the greatest joy. He's your greatest joy you could ever have. And you know, the manger is not just your life. Your manger that you welcome the Holy Spirit in is your family. And if you're not married, you still have a family that you belong to. 
your family up, your parents, if you don't have any parents left alive, your family of your friends. We're all in family, this community. The manger is not just your family. It's also this church. But it's not just this church community. It's not just your Ignite group or this community gathered on Sundays or Fridays or whenever or the youth on Wednesday nights. Your manger is your classroom when you go to school. Your manger is your lecture hall when you go to university this week and return to university this week. Your manger is your business when you get back to work tomorrow morning. Your manger is wherever you are placed by God in a sphere of influence to work. And you work with the Holy Spirit and you welcome Him, the Holy Spirit, the mighty ox, the mighty one into that manger. And let me tell you something, He's going to mess it up, but you're going to have a glorious harvest that you can lay at the feet of Jesus. And together as a church, we're going to win multitudes of people. I can't come with you to your workplace. I don't belong there. I'm not even invited there. I would get instantly walked off the premises if I came. It would be so awkward. You'd be like, what are you doing here, Pastor Duncan? Don't even call me pastor, please. Well, what are you doing here, Duncan Smith? Uh, I don't know. I just thought I'd come and help. No, that's not me. You're not welcome. Please, you're embarrassing me. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, he belongs to you and you belong to him. And you can welcome him into that manger anytime. And oh, my goodness, are you ever in for a wild ride? Yeah, come on. Whether it's Connecticut that you're going or Colorado that you're going to or whether it's just tomorrow morning waking up and going off to your normal everyday place, welcome the Holy Spirit. And let's have a giant harvest by this time next year that we can give to the Lord. Amen. If that's you and you want to welcome the Holy Spirit into the manger of your life, your family, your workplace, your church, I want you to get out here to the front. Come on up here to the front. There's an anointing on this message. Just come on out. Just come on out. The whole herd. Let's have the whole herd out. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your presence, God. We want you in our midst. Just keep pressed right up. There's, There's loads of space. Don't leave any space at the front. There's loads of people behind waiting to come. And give the Lord the manger of your life. Start there. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been working so hard in my own labors. I'm sorry that I've been unwilling. I wanted you on my terms. I I didn't want to embrace the inconvenience of the possible mess that you'd bring if if I really surrendered to you and I really let go of what life would look like if you really took over. Lord, I've, I've been worried that I might lose my friends. I've been worried that, that somehow I'd be ridiculed, that i go to that church that's full of weirdos. Lord, I've been unwilling to embrace the reproach that love brings. I've been unwilling to embrace the reproach of what it truly means to be set on fire, to burn with your love and your presence. And God, I'm, I, that's over. For today, that's over. Today, I'm all yours. Today, you're mine. Holy Spirit, I welcome you in fully to the manger of my life. Folks, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about you being willing, you being willing to welcome the mighty ox, the Holy Spirit who's likened to a mighty ox.
and to welcome Him and to allow Him to come on His terms. Just do that business with Him. I can't do it for you, but do it. He'll take you seriously. It's so easy. You don't have to work it up. You just have to say yes. You just have to say yes. I want the prayer team to be moving around through the, the family, and just praying for people, just laying hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And I, now I want you to begin to start to see your family. See your family. You know what? It's time to stop being frightened of your teenage children. You don't need to be frightened of your teenage children. Just welcome the Holy Spirit into the family. Welcome them in. Just establish something. Even if you've never done this before, have one meal a day where you welcome and where you insist that the whole family, we're going to sit down, we're going to have a meal. I know it might be hard, but we're going to do it. It's just 15 minutes of your time. But just embrace them around the table and just begin to welcome the mighty Holy Spirit. Don't get up in a great fanfare and, you know, whether it's at work or your family and say, come Holy Spirit. No, just in your heart, welcome the Holy Spirit. Just allow Him room in the manger. It's your manger. It's yours to steward. Your workplace now. Turn your gaze on your workplace, on your boss, on your colleagues. Don't make some great announcement that, that sounds so spiritual. You'll look like a weirdo. Don't do that. But you can welcome the Holy Spirit. Just welcome Him. Welcome Him into the business. Welcome Him to prosper the business. Why not ask Him that the harvest would not just be the souls of the people in your business, but the harvest would be a great financial harvest into the business that you're part of. Because how many of you know, if your business, even if it doesn't belong to you and you're an employee, if God prospers your business, you're going to be prospered. If God prospers your hospital, you're going to be prospered. If God prospers your uh, research team, whatever it is, God is going to prosper you. Welcome the mighty Holy Spirit into your university, into your classroom, and most of all, into this church, and get ready for it to get a whole lot messier. Just agree with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you can come. I'm not going to be the judge any longer of what goes on next to me when you touch somebody a certain way. Lord, I want you to come and touch them. And Lord, I ask that you touch me too. And if you mess us up so we're unrecognizable, that's no problem to me. You do it, God. In Jesus' name, for your glory.